podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod two two six. Whoa! I know, crazy. Sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's a vector weather. Okay. Correct. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Very nice. And mm. that is the voice of our special guest today. It's journalist Louise Court. How are you doing? All right. Thank you. Um, a bit of an honour. You're. Lovely to have you here. It's an honour to be able to say I will. <laughs> I've never been asked to say I will. The podcast is done in my house and I never get to say I will. One day. I never said yeah. either. So Well, that would be that would be like Morecambe and Wise setting up their own jokes, wouldn't it? That'd be like Eric Morecambe doing the punchline and the feed line. still be funny, though. interesting yeah, point, too, is that uh, 226 is also the total number of goals we conceded at the Etihad over the last five seasons. Good point. So good, very good. Yeah. Is that, you've written a joke for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> it just all falls into place. See, it, it is That's possible. That's quite good. <laughs> also, hats off. very funny, actually. Well, you've ruined it now. So. Yeah, you shouldn't have to remind yourself of that. <laughs> <laughs> hats off to the person who suggested that the last, as a last resort, can we try changing the sponsors on the pod no. to see if we might win? <laughs> <laughs> we tried that with Maybe. the intro music and that had zero effect as well. Well, have we changed the intro music again? No, Let me know. No, like last I mean, season when we were being technically terrible. Technically, d- it's gone back to being the new one that we had. How could it go back to a new one? Because I put the new one on the yeah, pod. Since the start of the season. No, since, it was since like midway through last season. <laughs> anyway. anyway the usual bright and breezy start <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Let's blame James for we, we have to be bright and breezy now, don't we? Yes, we do, yeah. Is that the way, is that the way that we're going to get through the next few weeks? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it said it's got the word bright in it. I don't like saying bright and breezy because it sounds like bright and breezy. I don't like that. Does a bit. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's part of me that's um, the, the optimistic part of me thinks that we've given everybody a really big head start and we're still only four points away from safety. Mm-hmm. Pessimistic part of me thinks I can't see that team winning the game ever. <laughs> and the realistic part of me thinks we need to be in touch at around Christmas to see what happens in the window, basically. But there well, are, that's fair enough. There is, I mean, oddly, it's an odd thing to say about a 5-0 defeat, but a, a mate of mine is a City season ticket holder said for the first 20, 25 minutes, it looked like Palace were the only team that had to going up there to have a go. And then even when we in the second half, it looked like at least it started to be a bit more streetwise. I would, I would extend that to the first 44 minutes. Oh, well, possibly, yeah, I think yeah. up until the Decent first goal, performance, yeah. we, looked, we looked okay. Yeah. And then we, we let in two goals in... The worst possible time to consider a goal right before half time and right after half time. Same as Swansea. Yeah, exactly. But there was a lot of positives, Louise, surely, wasn't there? For but a team I, going out there and giving it a go. Uh, definitely in the first half, but it is that classic thing of 
you let in a goal and we just collapse mm. yeah. and there just seems to be no way back for this team which last season you felt oh, we might get back in this game yeah. but I, I, I it's yeah. just I think I think that would be that would be a fair argument to make if it was maybe any other side other than Man City in part because of how they their entire tactic seems to be to score that first goal and then they rely on club on teams that would normally sit back like Palace tried to to, to essentially open up a bit more and try and score goals rather than doing what Palace were actually doing quite well for the first 43 minutes Palace players then ended up essentially panicking a bit um, and as a result that's when Man City take advantage and that's what they've done against that's what they did against Watford you know it's almost naivety that results in that And well they beat Liverpool 5-0 as well at the Etihad of course they beat Watford 6-0 there will be a lot of other teams 4 yeah. or 5-0 this season, the only—I mean—the difference is that at half time. I'm sure Guardiola said to his players, "You get the next goal, and this game is won." Yeah. yeah. In fact, it's already won. To be perfectly honest, now you've scored one goal. Yeah. And now we know that the next goal wins the game. So they, they approach the second half with a completely different mm. mindset. You don't know what could have happened if we'd got through to 75 minutes, or even if Loftus Cheek had scored. Yeah. Really early on, with the deflected shot onto the post. But it, it, it comes back to this thing we said before on the pod, which is this team lacks confidence. Like, like you said, Louise, they let in a goal and the heads go down. How how do you fix well, that? I think one way you try and fix that, and and I, in a way, the next few games are sort of nothing to stress about because normally you wouldn't really expect to win at Old Trafford away. And, you know, we've had the odd victory against Chelsea, but you don't really expect to win that game either. So it should be, in theory, a time for pressure off and a chance to consolidate. But I think one of the key things is the fans have to get off people's backs. Mm. There is just... You just... You know, I couldn't believe it in Roy's first game when that substitution was made. And I know a lot of people didn't understand it because they didn't know that um, he'd got cramp. Yeah. But it's like, booing, really? You, it's just like... To be fair, Louise, even if they didn't know he had cramp, they knew, they knew he'd been out for a few games and it was, there was only 10 minutes to go. So they, they, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to put two and two together and think he might have a bit of a strain there yeah. or a bit of a stretch or might be tired. But, and, and it just yeah. seems to be a reflex action to boo really quickly and mm. it's just like you should never boo your team there is there what is that really going to achieve their, their morale and their confidence is so low and even players who may not be the best that we could have in certain positions naming no names but the abuse that they come in for it's just like really well especially when we know one of them naming no names will have to be playing at fullback next week because Fossey Mensah can't <laughs> Yeah, because he's Man United's player, so we presume that the person whose name you're not mentioning will be back at right back. Well, I might be not mentioning someone else. Actually. Well, Wayne Hennessy's going to play right back, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's your point about these two. These because I got somebody on Talksport had a real go at me because I said before the Man City game that these three games were kind of like a free hit because the pressure was off, and somebody went, "Oh, that's a stupid thing to say because you have to win Premier League games and." You, you need to. You much rather be playing teams like Stoke or West Ham. No, I wouldn't because if we lost to Stoke, West Brom, and West Ham, <laughs> yeah. we'd still have Liverpool, Man City, and, absolutely, you know, and Man United, Chelsea to, to come. So these are games that we don't expect to get a point. You kind of have to get get through these. A bonus point, possibly, maybe score, and then we've got eleven games coming up. That apart from Tottenham, will be teams that will be in the bottom ten. Hmm. I'm guessing. And do you think that's and a that's better what, time for us to play them? That's then? when the season. I, I think so. Well, the bizarre thing is, Perry Groves made a really good point last week on Talksport, which is worthy of mentioning. Uh, does he not normally then? He does normally, but it's hidden away. In, but he made a really good point about the timing of De Boer's sacking, which was why would you why would you bring a new manager in knowing that you had Man City, Man United, and Chelsea to come? Yeah. Right. If you kept De Boer in, if we didn't do well in those games, you got the perfect excuse to get rid of him, and you wouldn't have had any of the the 
shitstorm that that we've had. Yeah. Or there's a possibility that by, that by then De Boer might have worked out how to play with his Palace side. So he said the, the timing is really is really odd, and it, that that hadn't occurred to me. I thought that was a really very very good point because Hodgson's coming in at a really difficult time. He's coming yeah. in when you wouldn't expect him to win three of his first four games, which is slightly odd. And he's coming. But I, being devil's advocate, is that. Because there's no pressure on him, so it gives him but three games possibly, to work yeah, out yeah. who can do what, who he rates, who he doesn't rate, yeah, in the hardest circumstances, well, rather than actually having to win a game, well, which would be except, quite nice. Except, yeah, with the squad so through, but we all know what the first 11 is without him having to check well, it out. we do. Well, that's the point. <laughs> you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on Roy? Well, when it was first announced, I wasn't thrilled, but I actually, I think it's brilliant. I think it's, I think, the players all need a bit of an arm around the shoulder. They need that experience. And if the worst thing happens and we don't survive this, you sort of feel, well, he'll be around, hopefully, to try and help us get back up again. Whereas I think some of the other people we looked at wouldn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think there is a stability then. I don't think anyone else is going to come in and try and nick him from us if he does something amazing. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, <laughs> and so I, you just need something steady. I, I imagine it just must be so... The, the level of hysteria around the club, if, if, the, if you look at how the fans feel, how it must be in the dressing room yeah. and um, the training ground. And, and when you speak to people, I've got a very good friend um, who's a West Brom fan, and um, he said they absolutely loved him. Mm. And all the players loved him. He speaks four languages, yeah. so he's great in the dressing room, but he's not this sort of po-faced granddad. He can, you know, give us good as he needs to give mm. um and uh he was amazing for morale do you think yeah. that was part of the recruitment process well no one's gonna nick him <laughs> i like to think it was a bit more positive than uh, that but i think well, it's a good rob, point there's one for you at the game rob so i've only seen the highlights. It, mm. it did seem to me watching the highlights that our fullbacks seemed to be as it were against southampton seemed to get very narrow very quickly especially in the start of the second half when crosses suddenly seemed they seem to have a lot more space in the second half to get the ball into the middle than they did in the Yeah, in the I thought I think it's it's again it's difficult with Man City because they are so they're such a fluid side. Like you look at I, I said on the, the, the extra pod that we did, um, that Kevin De Bruyne was was is a player who is essentially a, a, a number ten, but he, he just plays left wing, right wing you know, right mid, left mm. mid. He just he, he plays so many different roles as a, he almost played as a striker at one point. And if you're if you're a fullback and you've got him floating around and then you've mm. got Silver floating around, the only option you really have in that situation is to kind of come a little bit narrower and to try and kind of block them out from that from that approach. Um, but then with Man City being as good as they are, they've got their, their wing backs as well. You know, these are, these are players they've spent 40, 50, 60 million pounds on compared to, to what we had, which is, you know, what, I think 20 million, I think we spent on both, both on Schlupp and... About that, Fossi Mensa was on loan. Well, so yeah. you know, you're, you're talking about about a world, a, a team that that cost the world to to build, and a team that that is limited by the budget that we also, have. Also, I've looked at the goals again and again today. Yeah, in the light, that of, must just to cheer yourself in the, up. In the light, I've not watched them at all. <laughs> oh, I mean, you, well, let's, everyone knows I exaggerate. So let's factor in the fact that people know I exaggerate <laughs> twice. I've seen the goals twice. Okay, but I'll set, the second time was in the light of the message from Andy Street. Saying, don't forget to have a go at Hennessy, and I've looked at this. I can't, I can't find it in me to blame Hennessy for any of them. To be perfectly honest, but Andy hasn't so, specified somewhere. Andy so, will be twitching, but he hasn't right specified now. which goals I'm supposed to blame 
Hennessy for. I mean, he could have come out and cleared Sane off, but then it would have been a penalty in the first one anyway. So I can't really see Aguero's possibly stronger with Aguero's header, but he was three yards out. And if you're going to blame anyone for that, it was Sacco who kind of ducked underneath it. it. So yeah, there's such the problem with blaming individuals is that, that you're ignoring this is, this the is team. This is addressed to Andy Street, by the way, I should say. This he is, won't. You know, Rob's not, no, I mean, not going to go at me. I'm think, not blaming it. I specifically <laughs> didn't blame an individual then. I, I went out of my way to say I'm not blaming <laughs> Hennessy. I made a very specific point uh, on Twitter at half-time when I looked on, on Twitter and saw loads of people blaming Hennessy for the first. I think the problem that you have when you, when you start blaming an individual is that you ignore the team's contribution to that incident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you ignore the fact that, that Benteke should have probably controlled the ball better on the halfway line. You ignore the fact that, uh, that Johan Kabay was basically non-existent against Silva. And Silva, despite them being the same age, Silva basically looked like a player who was five mm-hmm. years younger than him. You ignore the fact that uh, Timothy Fosu-Mensa was blocked and that uh, Scott Dan looked like he, he was he, he was walking in concrete at that point. All of these little individual moments contribute to the point where you end up looking at Hennessy and saying he's to blame for all of it, that it doesn't seem quite fair. Now, Wayne did Wayne could have probably done better. There, there's, there's a fair, I think it's a fair argument to make that we've seen enough of Wayne Hennessy in the last three seasons to say that he's not someone who actually wins you points on a regular basis with the saves he makes. When you compare him to to the, the way that Julian Speroni played for us in the first two seasons, you could argue that in the first two seasons under uh, with Speroni in goal, he made the kind of saves that, that play a bit part in winning at least 10 to 13 points per season. Mm. Whereas Wayne Hennessy you can argue that if you look at all of the incidents that we've seen where, where you could, where you can, fairly say Wayne should have done better all of those things are, are points where you where you need a goalkeeper to make those saves I don't think that was the case against Man City I think it's harsh to blame him entirely for any one of those goals your points I mean for the most part nine times out of ten the goalkeeping error is the last error but I don't yeah. see what he could have done I mean, sometimes well, I mean, you, just, it, you just have to hold your hands up and say sometimes Man City are a really good team course, and that was yeah. a really well worked goal but Sane was on him so quickly I'm yeah. not entirely sure what he needs to be supposed to have and, done except come out clatter him get a red card yeah. and still concede a penalty anyway So, and it's, it's also fair you know again we come back to the whole team team blaming thing you know you don't have to blame people but you can argue that every player has their part to play Christian Benteke is supposed to be a a goal scorer for us and he hasn't scored in any of the last six games. We panic about the fact that he's not playing, but he hasn't actually contributed. Mm. So you can, you can talk about that. You know, you don't sign someone like Christian Benteke to, to run around. You sign him to score goals. You don't sign someone like Andros Townsend to run into blind alleys. You, you sign him to, to, to create the goals. You don't sign a defender to duck out of chances. You sign him to actually make those winning tackles. All of the players have played their part in this run. And you can, you, you know, I think that's something that you have to, that it ha, it's a point that has to be made. It's, yeah. it's everyone has, has, has contributed to this situation. Well, you, that not one single yeah. player, even, even someone like Loftus-Cheek, even he, and, and Timothy Fosu-Mensu, who've started well, all of them have played a part in the run that we're in now. I think, that's that's a, I think that's a very good point. It's, it is, and it goes, it is it's, but it's, it's nowhere no near as much fun as having a go at Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's me. <laughs> but see, I, I are think, you aware of Andy Street? Andy Street is irrational in his dislike of Wayne Hennessy. Sometimes he has a point, hmm. but he just sometimes he just he has a you know he tries to argue his way out as a lawyer, but. 
But do, so Legal, Rob, legally, Hennessy's not as bad as he thinks he is. <laughs> legally. Yeah. Rob's point, though, I think can, can be applied to the team in general, Louise, because do you think it's actually, there's not one reason that Palace are doing bad at the moment. Are we actually victims of lots of things that happen throughout a season normally, all happening at the same time? Bad form from certain players, bad luck in some sort of games, injuries. We're getting it all at the same time. Are we just, are we just victims of a really unfortunate patch? Yes, but you sort of, it's that old cliche, isn't it? You create your own luck, don't you? And I think the, you know, the thing that really brought it home to me was um, when they said um, Papa Suarez was coming back. Mm. And he, this is his fourth manager and he's been injured for a year. You just think, imagine you going to work in your office or wherever you work and you've had four different bosses. That's massive. Mm. That is, you know... People want you to do things different ways, different cultures. Does he like me? Doesn't he like me? What do I do? Are we doing total football now? Are we doing this now? That is just, you know, and and I think, yes, everybody has to stand up and take responsibility for it. All the players do. But I think it has just been a perfect storm that is very palace. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. Do you think Roy should have stayed? Oh, sorry, Deboer. De Boer. See, I've, I've got, forgotten. Ahead. I've got, <laughs> looking ahead to next week. Do you know something we don't know? <laughs> Do you think Frank should have been given longer? No. You think it was the right time? Yes. Do you think before he started was the right time? <laughs> well, no, I was, answer, I was excited at the, at the thought of him, but it's just when you, you know, you're, you're being stubborn and playing a formation that loses to the under-23s must give you a little bit of a warning sign and to carry on playing that... Um, it just speaking of there seems to be a lack of compromise victimhood yeah yeah we have been victims you know it's nobody's fault except for the referees that Wilf's been out since the first game it's nobody's fault that you know Loftus Cheeks deflected shot hit the post and didn't go in but it's somebody's fault that we've got no replacements for these players it's somebody's fault that two of our best players are on loan and can't play in the next two games because they're playing their parent clubs Mm -hmm. It's somebody's fault that we have. Well, that's a standard clause, though. It's isn't some, it? Yeah, but it's somebody's fault that we've got no strikers to back up the striker we've got out, even though he didn't score any goals. So there, it's not. You're kind of trying to absolve everything by going, "Well, it's luck. It's this. It's that." You, in the end, somebody you have to say somebody at the club isn't managing the club properly, whether that's the manager, whether that's the the owners, whoever it is, but whether it's, it's, it's his coaches. And yeah, but something we in the same the vein as everyone, enough, though. But the players are good enough. We know the players are good enough. For the most part, those players were good enough to stay up last year. But in the same vein, yeah. is it mistakes from everyone? It can't be just one person yeah, that's done it's something Obviously, wrong, a team so. that hasn't scored a goal in six games and has conceded however many it is are making mistakes. Of course they are. And you have to ask yourself why, for example, Hennessy is a liability for Palace but is a decent international goalkeeper. So why is that? Is it simply because he's got the same three people in front of him for Wales? Maybe. Different pressures Is it, pressures co- is it confidence? Whatever, what, you know, so you have to ask why... Yeah, we can't find a settled team even though we've got a threadbare squad. We still, still can't settle on a... First eleven, so you, you know, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered, it's, and and just it's a bit of a get-out clause to say, well, you know, it's, it's, in a way. But I think that's the yeah. challenge. I was trying to think, okay, what would be my starting eleven? And I think I have absolutely no idea. You know, there's oh, certain yeah. players you think you'd include, but actually, to name your first eleven, I think is really difficult. Well, speaking of first eleven, uh, we've got a lot of questions about Benteke mm. being out injured. I'm going to fire at you guys five questions in a row now. Well, but they, they all hard? kind of similar. They have the similar theme to them, and they are from none jo- of his questions are ever hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no, so, <laughs> he doesn't pick hard questions. Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> Johnny Latimer. Hi, Johnny. 
says, Hello. is fourth choice winger Bakary Sacco our best striker fit at the moment? Gareth Davies says, Ladapo or Loftus-Cheek up front? Grey Jogging Bottoms, hi Akosh, says, remember Schlupp playing centre forward for Leicester at Selhurst with Nugent and Kane on the bench and Vardy not in the squad. Secret weapon. Eddie Mitchell, hi Eddie, hi, Eddie. says, would giving Zaha free roam up front be an adequate solution? And then someone else said Ladapo. And then someone, Lee John Hughes, has put Scott Goal Machine Dan. Huh. So what bit, who is the option? What do we do? I'd say Sacco. Um, for me, Bakery. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not being that radical. <laughs> for me, it would be Loftus-Cheek. Um, I mean, he can't play against Chelsea, but, but for, for, the, for the, the Man U game, it would be Loftus-Cheek. He's quick, strong, um, and, and he's got a shot on him. And he's not afraid to try it. Like, I mean, he, 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 you know, he hit the post against Man City. I think he was probably our biggest threat for, for the first half. Whenever he got the ball, it seemed to, he seemed to, to want to run at op- opponents. It's something that we've missed with Wilf being out. So I don't see that being... I, I think that would probably be the best choice for that game. Against Chelsea, I think you just have to kind of... I, I think Sacco I agree. Probably be the only one. I, I think, in a strange way, the Benteke injury might be the catalyst for forcing the change that we need because you you, you can't play with Benteke on his own up front he's simply not that sort of player not, not really on his own up front there was never the, the amount of space between him and the midfield that there has been this season he's been mm. he's, he's like Glenn Murray in the old days under Freeman just a massive 50 yard gap between him and the other players which is why every time the ball gets people having a go at him so every time the ball comes up to him in the Southampton game, he's flicking it on and there's no one taking the risk to I go th- beyond him but yeah. Sacco I think he should, he should go with Sacco because Sacco's big, he's mobile, he's almost two-footed. And Loftus-Cheek, I think you've wasted him up front. Loftus-Cheek isn't, Loftus-Cheek's played up front for Chelsea in Carling Cup games. Yeah. But he's not, Loftus-Cheek should be the midfield player who's linking up with the front player. That's what we desperately need. We need somebody from the midfield to link. And I think Sacco, Sacco will put central defenders under pressure in a way that Benteke has never done. Because Rob's point earlier on about blaming the whole team... Defending starts from the front. Benteke doesn't shut down central defenders the same way that other centre forwards do. The same way that Costa does, Lukaku does. Every other centre, like Shane Long did for South, just it just doesn't do that sort of job. And Sacco, I, I, Sacco will do that. And I Sacco, thought he will. against you know. Man City, I thought that, that that was the thing that was actually quite disappointing about Benteke getting injured was that in the first half he actually put quite a shift in. He and, and he was actually making quite a nuisance of himself. And it was really interesting to see players actually awaiting the flick on there were times when Townsend was kind of running making that run just behind the defender in the, in the hope that the flick on would come and then but then the second half happened and we all know you know he ended up getting injured I, th- I think I think it's it's again I, I they're quite depressing Benteke, ben, they're Benteke, quite depressing words Rob in the hope that the flick on will come no but what I mean is <laughs> what, but I think, I think in, fair, in fairness stories, in fairness Benteke has proven with like it, it's it's one of those things where you have a manager that actually plays to his strengths and he actually, he produces what you want him to. Like we're under Allardyce, he did that mm. under Frank De Boer, He didn't because frankly, De Boer wasn't interested in, in trying to, in, in, in working with a tactic that actually got the best out of the, the out of a goal, a scorer who, a, a striker who scored seven, was it 17 goals last season? Yeah. Yep. So, if you do that, then by all means, you're going to end up struggling to score because you're not actually playing to his strengths. Um, and in Hodgson's, Hodgson's case, I thought that we actually looked like we were trying to build around him a bit more and now he's got injured. So I think it's, it's, it's tough. I feel, I feel really sorry for Benteke. We, we've said this time and time again this season. I, don't, I can't recall once 
when he's had a cross in front of him. No. When someone's oh. got behind the back oh, away at Liverpool. Against Man City, it very right. nearly happened, but they ended up they, they got that one slight I think there Again. was a slight touch and it nearly you know that's Again the they're the second most depressing words we've heard tonight. Yeah, yeah. It very nearly happened. So I do feel sorry for him, but on the other hand, he doesn't make things happen. Yeah. He's not the sort of centre forward who will make things happen. That's why you know Costa will make things happen. He will he will come for the ball. You know, Benteke should be looking. He's a beast. He's a huge player. Of course, Luis is saying, you make your own luck. He's, he's, and exactly, he does, yeah. he doesn't he, do that. should be looking. If it's not working, if plan A's not working, he should be good enough to start coming deep, looking for all, going wide, looking for all. Just make something happen. With, like, you know, like Yala used to do, like Balassi used to do. How many games did we see when he was just in a, in a doldrum and he'd, he'd ride a tackle or he'd win the ball back from somewhere? Just make something happen and Benteke should do offer, that. It's really frustrating. Can I offer a scenario? What, what do Palace do if uh, Sacco comes in, say, and plays up front and scores goals and Benteke comes back, but we're scoring goals without him? Do you bench Benteke? Oh, what a luxury to be in that <laughs> position. Mm. You know, if we start scoring goals and he's not in the team... I think you, with, did, with, did you deduce that he is the problem? I think with, I'm playing devil's advocate, but with knee ligament injuries, like I think he, I think that's what he has. Um, it's one of those things where he he'll progressively come back into the side rather than playing straight away anyway. So, and even by that, I mean if if it's if it's six weeks, it's nearing the the transfer window. So then there's potential of even signing another striker. So it, it's I don't know. And Wickham's meant to be back in January, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's true. Is, yeah. It's a lovely scenario that Sacco comes in and scores. I'm just, you know, I'm just no, offering I think it's it a problem happen. we'd like to have. Yeah, <laughs> we would. Speaking of other strikers, uh, there is rumours that Palace are going to dip into the free transfer market. Can I offer you some of the... Have you seen who's available? <laughs> the yeah, names that are... Oh, yes. Let me read a few out for you. We've just, got... well, anything I've said already this evening about you've said the two most depressing things so far this year. <laughs> I know what's coming. It gets more depressing, I tell you. I've looked at these names. We've got Giuseppe Rossi. Former United striker. See, he would. Striker. He, he had. A, he was really good at Villarreal, but he's he's recovering from a cruciate ligament injury okay, again. There is that. So, Ricky, Ricky Lambert, thirty-six. <laughs> Carlton Cole turned us down, and uh, was sacked by his boy, previous though. club in was it was it Thailand or somewhere no, like that no. because he was so so overweight. Yeah, he was so unfit. Well, how about then? He was a train. former Cosmopolitan Naked Centrefold of the Year. Was so he? I of could, the year? I could have a word. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, how, and he was a very nice man. How demeaning to all male footballers <laughs> that you just <laughs> reduce him to a body. Simply. He maybe was one of many. Maybe that's why he's put, maybe that's why he's put the weight on because you gave him a taste of what it's like to be a centrefold in Cosmo. I think we should point out that Louise used to be the editor of Cosmo. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just a weirdo. Because yeah, that would have sounded a little bit and weird. And if need be, he can play in defence because he's got a strong tackle. Oh my word! Um, can I offer <laughs> you? <laughs> Someone had to. Can I offer you one more name as well? Free transfer currently. Marwan Shimak. And someone told me to make Jermaine Easter. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> He's done really well. Yeah, there's, a, there's a reason why people... Are, I still think we said this, I still think it was rather shabby to get rid of Pernetro just so we had a free yeah. agent slot. Was it also a mistake it. to get rid of Fraser Campbell? Yeah, I, we want a player that runs around. Yeah, runs no, no, around and but he, but no, he's just got injured again. I think it's really oh, apparently oh, so. Okay. It, it's, you, this is the thing, though. You come, it come, that comes back to the whole... Uh, should uh, Steve Parrish be involved in first team affairs? Um, people like we actually could have done with someone like Fraser Campbell. We should yeah. have signed someone before then. But equally, you could always do with someone like Fraser Campbell because of the work effort, you know, the work rate that he puts in. But he listened to his manager, yeah. and his manager said, "I don't want him." So, in, in you know, I bet Steve Parrish. But what do we get from? Tweet, was it? What do we sell him for? We didn't sell him. Didn't sell he, him. He, he just his went. contract. Yeah, his contract expired. But. Uh, 
can you blame someone like Fraser Campbell who's made a total of about 10 substitute appearances in the last season or season and a half and then and he's now played every game for Hull so Fraser Campbell's you know, name only ever comes up on this pod in relation to the discussion that players that we shouldn't have in the squad if yeah. we want to be a, yeah, it's a, fair. a Premier League team that's, yeah but right yeah. now we've got oh, no one yeah, yeah but that's again it comes but we should that's we should have replaced him before then yeah. Yeah, yeah we should have replaced him with somebody yeah. better that's the thing but I was saying I mean Steve Parrish probably does regret the, tw- the tweet the uh what if the sun will come up? The sun, you know, the tomorrow. sun will come up tomorrow. So yeah. he's getting a lot of pictures of sunrises. He is, he is. But that's that's yeah. what happens when you go on Twitter. Yeah. You know, you put yourself out there. That that will happen. Um, that list of five names you just read out there was just heartbreaking. It was only it? four actually. Wasn't it five? Wasn't it? Wasn't Lambert, sure? Rossi, Cole, and Shemak. That's Jermaine. Oh, and Jermaine Easter as well. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, listen. Can I round off part one though in a kind of positive way because we haven't actually reviewed the Huddersfield game, which we has happened since the last pod. Goal machine, Sacco. Well, exactly. Well, Sacco did score, but also yeah. it was it was a good performance, Louise, wasn't it? It was actually Palace looking quite confident. Like the team, there is something in there. I know I, it was only Huddersfield. Yeah, but only, only Huddersfield <laughs> on first game of the season, you know. Yeah. So it was an improvement. Um, <laughs> yeah, but if you look at those players, in theory, we shouldn't be doing as badly as we are. But we are. Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. The best thing about Huddersfield was Suarez coming back. Yeah, that was. Yeah, and true. Jules playing a goal. Yeah, there's a lot of positives in there, yeah. and they're, they are a Premier League team. Their manager, and said I think that there's less pressure in the car. There's less pressure. I think yeah. we go into the league games, you know, fans as well. Also, there were hardly any fans, so not yeah. many people to boo. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it just is a different. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a really good cup run. Do. Should we have a good cup run? This is that something we should go for this season in not, current in current form? Or not really, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened because it's you can't really different pick, pressures. You can't really pick and choose not to have a good cup run. Can no, you? I'm you, just, have a, you can only try and win the game in front of you. I think it, also we play we we didn't play as many first teamers as you know the majority of that that squad wasn't first team players. Yeah. Neither was there, well, but nor did they. I think there was about yeah, seven changes. So, yeah, but it was interesting. Their, teams from the their, previous Gally, yeah. their manager said after the game that this was a different Palace side. It was more organised, more difficult to beat. You know, more there was more commitment in the team. So I think if you take if you take that game and then the first half of Man City. There are positive signs. It's just the case that that you're, you know, this is like the as you said before, it's the perfect storm. In that Lewis, we're, we're we're playing, yeah. we're we're playing we're, we're playing what is probably going to be uh, the league the, the league champions at our lowest possible ebb, yeah. and you know it, 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 they're that good aside that they you know it takes a moment of magic for them to score the first goal, and then after that the, the minute they score the second that's it. Well, so, we lost five 0 there at the end of last season. We were more of a shambles at the end of last season at the Etihad than we were on yeah. Saturday, by all accounts. So there's, and there's, that was during a good run as well. I think. But yeah. even even Man City fans on the train home were saying that, and, and they genuinely said this that yeah. Palace actually made uh, made City work really hard. Yeah, yeah. And not many clubs have done that this season, and not many clubs have done that at the Etihad in the last three or four seasons. So there are positives. You just have to kind of accept that that. It's part that you know the first half is probably the only the only thing you can really base it on. But also, there, but were, think- there was a negative. It sounds an odd thing to say, but a negative positive is like my cousin said. Is like even things like time wasting and slowing the get all the things that we hate away teams doing at Sellers Park. Yeah, and that we haven't done because we've been too nice. Even things like you know moaning to the referee, just slowing things down ever so slightly. Just. Uh, you know, just actually throwing the ball away, moaning to the ref about this, that, and the other. So that's the sort of thing you want to see players doing. 
Yeah. I'll just can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Andy Street asking about Hennessy. <laughs> but I think to the point made earlier, if I think if we can get through these games and not be too far adrift yeah. from the teams above us, then... But then we're relying you, on the other teams to maybe not, you know... Assuming we don't get any points, we, we might, yeah, hopefully we will. But, but if we don't get any points, you just have to hope none of those other teams go on a bit of a run. Yeah. Well, also, as I think we were discussing earlier, yeah, we, we have given them a big head start. If I was a Bournemouth fan, I'd be thinking, hang on a second, Palace haven't scored a goal or won a game. We're only three points ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. And you look at Huddersfield. Huddersfield haven't played a top six team yet. Mm. Newcastle haven't played a top eight team yet. Brighton have only played one. So there's a lot of teams, you know, a lot of teams have got to play the teams that we've yeah. we've got coming up. Yeah. And as I say, we have got that run of 11 games that apart from Tottenham away, are all you would think would be winnable games under normal circumstances. And, and we just need to be, if we, we will pick up, inevitably we will pick up points. We will, have, we will have a run. We just need to be in touch come January and we need to really hope, and putting all arguments about whether we like Doogie or not aside, we need to really hope that he's doing his job and that all our transfer targets are lined up mm-hmm. for the 1st of January. We need a January that we had last year. Yeah, but don't that we don't. But even then, it was still quite late on before we had a January we had last year. Yeah. We, it, yeah. How many times do we do this? We we leave our signings to the last two or three days. Identify this, the people that we need: goalkeeper, right back, two strikers. Identify them, whatever level they're coming, and get them in January the first, January the second, so they're ready to play. Yeah. I mean, somebody said in our first season up, we only had three points in the first ten games. Yes. Yeah. You did. So, <clears throat> can we do that? Yeah. Oh, well, Fulham, well, we've when, come like we've come back from worse. When Roy Hodgson yeah. took over at Fulham, they were in a really bad way. We've only eight or nine games to go, so it's it's good because we're not. Yeah, any other season, we could be nine points adrift already, but we're not. It's, it's a marathon, isn't it? It's not. A, yeah. You know, it's not a sprint. We're like there. You see a lot of uh, Brighton fans crowing about how Palace are doing badly, but these things. It, of course, at some point it yeah, will. We'd to be come doing back. the same. Mm. We would, of course. No, we wouldn't. We're too classy. Yeah, <laughs> we would be doing. The same. But sure? two, two of the, uh, you know, two of the three promoted teams will be in the bottom four or five come the end of the season. Yeah, we just there's, have to hope that we're that, them as well. Yeah, but there's always that little. They have that little bounce, the adrenaline surge when they come up, and they've had. You know, you know, Huddersfield couldn't have picked an easier first six games to be perfectly honest hmm. and those you know Huddersfield have got to, the, the big test is how they got on against Tottenham on Saturday because that's when reality might start yeah. kicking in for a lot of clubs you know Brighton beat Newcastle were in the same division as them last season they beat West Brom on the day that Pulis said West Brom were the worst he'd ever seen them so you know we'll, we'll you know, somebody will come to Sellers Park and be the worst they've ever played yeah it's us at the moment yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's wrap up part one there in part two we've got questions from our listeners uh, hello and welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. Pod two two six, sponsored by Vector Printing for your print embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with her. Okay. Nice. Okay. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Oh, very Ooh. good. I think Endicott's going to be out of a job. Yeah. Um, right. Can quest- we get you to record a few of those just so we can... I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Um, okay. So we've got a few, fewer questions this week than, than usual. <laughs> Why? Got. Why, James? I, I, I get the impression... Are they of better quality? They're always good quality. Okay. We've hit oh, a fatigue well point, haven't we? Where people are literally... <laughs> dealing with palace fatigue to the to the point where they don't even want to think about questions to ask. Yeah, I, I do think that's true. Right? The week of De Boer's sack, we had 126. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you guys feeling palace fatigue? 
a little uh, bit. Yeah. I'm so much older than you. Imagine how much more tired I am than you are. <laughs> you people are still young. You've got vestiges of... You've seen it. That's the nicest thing you've ever yeah. said to me. Thank you so much. Okay, um, speaking of which, Chris K. Hi, Chris. Says, I love the pod, but I don't think I like football anymore. What other subjects could the panel pod on? We can't talk about politics. Uh, we've been criticised for that before, so we're not going to do that. Have we? When did we talk about politics? Uh, well, I think we've mentioned politics once or twice. Oh, Brexit. We've, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. So let's not talk about Brexit. This is not a yeah, Brexit no point. Because yeah, we know it's an idiotic, <laughs> an idiotic mistake. We're walking off a cliff. Let's not talk about it. I'd, I think I'd, you're I'd, talking about it. I'd go history and archaeology, but you know, I'd, Ooh, be, out, I'd okay. be outvoted. What's your favourite historical time? <laughs> Well, normally I'd say that's a ridiculous question, but as it happens, <laughs> the uh, later years of the reign of Henry VIII. Good. Oh, yeah, eventful. Yeah, very eventful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah if, I, if I want a one-word description <laughs> of the later years of Henry VIII, eventful. yeah, eventful, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know about my obsession with Anne Boleyn, we'd, we'd podcast about that every week. Yeah, well, I told you Anne Boleyn lived in Hever Castle, which is around the corner from where I grew up in Kent. Yeah, you did. Tell me that, I told yeah. you that, yeah. yeah, yeah. You Beautiful place. Lovely. Castle, yeah. It is very nice. Yeah. She wasn't born there, though. But no, but she lived there. Yes, I know. Her father's buried there, actually, as well. So there you go. Yeah. Instantly, this podcast got more cultural. interesting. Yeah. Very for, cultural. For me, it would be aviation because I'm a plane geek, but that's about it, really. So, next question is from. What were you talking about? Animals. I oh. rescued a squirrel before I came out. Did you? Oh, wow. Yeah, I was worried I was going to be late, and I thought it would be the equivalent of turning up at school and saying, Your dog ate your homework. <laughs> Did and you the cats. It from a tree? No, the cat sort of caught it and oh. then it got away and it was a little baby squirrel. Oh. So then we had to get some, we had to try and get it into a box and they got big claws, and then mm. someone had to come and rescue it from the oh. wildlife people. Oh. So and, I could talk about that. And is that. it okay? I don't know yet. It, it was, was very little dead. and it was breathing oh. really heavily. <laughs> it was moving. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, children. No animals were hurt in the making of this podcast. I um, saw a squirrel fall out of a tree once, but then a naturalist told me that couldn't possibly happen. But it definitely did. Was, was it, it old? No, did I don't it just know. have a heart attack? I, I don't know. I never got close to that. Can we just talk about this for the rest of the show? It definitely fell out of a tree. It was... It was, it was Chris Pack. Chris Packham ended up getting out of the car because he was so annoyed because I was. And did, but did it survive? The, Chris Packham, no. Because <laughs> I was drunk. I did a TV show with Chris Packham and he was on much later than me. So by the time we shared the car again, I was drunk. And the first thing I said to him was, What is your favourite football team? He said, I don't like football. Brilliant. And I said, in a very funny way, What do you f this conversation, didn't you? <laughs> and then asked him about, Are you only ever 10 foot away from a rat? <laughs> <laughs> and were mice on the tube that colour because of evolution or dirt so what you're saying is we're not going to get Chris Packham as a guest on the pod and then he said he said I said can I ask you another question he said are all your questions about rodents I said is a squirrel a rodent he said technically I said I saw a squirrel fall out of a tree how did that happen he said it didn't it can't possibly happen you might have been as drunk as you are now in which case, it, he, then he got out of the car and decided to walk the rest of the way. While it was still driving. Pretty much. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, why right. I don't like him. I can't watch Spring Watch. <laughs> I didn't mean either. His fingers reek of starling. <laughs> Anyone about his dog? Starling or starling? Starling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <the> starling. <laughs> Anyone tuning into the pod now is going to have so many questions. Well, we started it was a story of rescuing a squirrel. <laughs> They're still I, very much can, alive. Can you update us with how the squirrel gets on, please? I'll let you know. Thank you. Um, it, it was a grey one, presumably, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Although when I was on holiday in France, I saw a black one. A yes. black squirrel? Yeah. yeah. 
There was an albino a... squirrel in Oxted once. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, don't try and trump the black squirrel. squirrel. An albino squirrel. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Manners. Yeah, because yeah, the albino could have been an albino grey squirrel, in which case, but the yeah. black squirrel, I didn't know That's black cool. squirrels yeah. existed. Yeah, in France they do. Wow. Was it cheery? Was it? Uh, it waved <laughs> as it ran <laughs> up onto the car. Oh, it wasn't French then. There's one in Sacramento as well, a black squirrel. A black I've squirrel? A photo of it, yeah. Could have been a rat, though. So was it your cat who got the squirrel? Yeah. Oh, what's your cat who got? <laughs> Just sort of quite a long hair boggy. <laughs> Let's move action. on. We're asking a question. <laughs> Somebody asked question. a question yeah, about yeah. what we were talking about. That's a fair point. Chris Cade, and we haven't talked about Palace for five minutes. And I, I for one, feel better for I mean, it. Yeah. Do you actually? Good. Yeah. Do you feel yeah. cleansed? It's like therapy. Feel, yeah. yeah. We should um, back on more often. Okay. So Andy Street's not once mentioned black squirrels. <laughs> um, I've got a question from Quentin. And if Endicott saw a black squirrel, there'd be a reason for it. <laughs> i got a question. Sounds like a band theme I go and see. <laughs> black squirrels, yeah. Um, Quentin Solden. Hi, Quentin. Hey. Message us on Facebook and... Unfortunately, I've cut off half the question. So the question just says... <laughs> the question just says... We get two professional answers, Louise. You'll let us know. The question you. says... Question for the podcast. Will you three... Is that the... No, it says, is it time? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay, I've got a serious question. Technically, it's always time, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's time it for action. Mm. What band in... Was that, that was the... Time... Uh, time for action. Band, time for action. Uh, Secret Affair? Secret Affair. Yeah, Tech, total tech soccer. <laughs> That's the name. Hi, <laughs> Hi, total. Hello. I said, tech. is is Hennessy's new goatee going to make him the new Nigel Martin? No. Why would I'd... he grow something that's going to make it even harder for him to dive? He's added it weight. It will weigh him down. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, oh, he's done that to annoy Street, isn't he? Yeah. It's not. And Neil the Fish. As someone, <laughs> just to annoy those two in the pool. As someone who doesn't grow a very convincing beard, uh, I, I would implore him to shave it off because it's just not very good. I didn't even notice it. Yeah, exactly. So, that's that's the problem. <laughs> um, son A. Hi, son. Hello. They said, technically, do we have the advantage of surprise as they won't know where the goals are going to come from? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, well, if we don't, they won't. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I feel like the question wasn't serious, but it, I feel like it could, it could be serious. <laughs> in a way. The best sort of question. Um, Daniel Edwards. Hi Daniel. Hi Daniel. Oh no, this question's not serious either. Nav is tweeting. Hi Nav. Hey Nav. Hi, Nav. Put, in fact, Nav and Lee Ayers have got similar questions oh. here. Uh, Nav says we're likely to need 36 points from 30 games. And Lee Ayers has broken it down to that, that being roughly 1.3 points per game, mm. which over a season would get us to eighth. Is that a realistic <laughs> target? 12 wins. Uh, yeah. When you put it like that, okay. it sounds like a lot sounds less. 30, I mean, that's 12 wins from yeah, no, from 32 games currently, but Leeds put from 30 games. I guess assuming assuming we lose next day. I I think you should say from 32 because I said so like, the Man City game was the only one that I was terrified of. So we only have to win just over a third. Yeah, yeah. Of the games. Which is the sort of thing. See, that go sounds into a season. really plausible. Yeah, that would be a name normally, wouldn't it, in a season anyway? Well. But if you take, if you, I think if you take twelve wins from this point on, and we carried that form on, you would end up finishing something like eighth. Mm. So, so that that's assuming that you're going to win all those games, and then you know. The, 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 See, last season our goal difference but, it was like yeah. an extra point. Wasn't yeah. it? The other, yeah. the, the other yeah. thing you have to take into account is that there are now 
I think what six, seven sides that are really, really strong, and they're going to be winning a lot of a, a large number of the points, which in, in essence then takes away a lot of the, the points that the lower clubs mm. might have. Mm. So like they're all going to be playing. Like every team has to play Man City twice. Every team has yeah. to play Spurs twice. Man U, Everton, all of these clubs. Okay. You know that that's the so thing. Then so then that takes so quite that a lot of sense, those games away. Doesn't that it? could actually take some of the points away from teams in the lower reaches as well. The, the sad yeah. thing is, it comes back to that we we thought this would be the season when we were talking about progress and yet once again we're talking about yeah the cliche we've got we've got it's a new league table we're fighting in now we've got to finish top of that Mm -hmm. league table bottom six bottom eight whatever it is but the fact is what you they're not they're not that many good clubs out there you watch a Bournemouth Brighton game a couple of weeks ago they're two very average teams there's a lot of average teams in that division what we need in the next two games whether we don't get a point or not is progression (coughs) to the point where well when we do start playing those teams we're ready to beat but you, you know Ash from the off license down the road. He's mm-hmm. been to yeah. several Palace games. Nice I'm a guy. United fan, but big loves Palace. Yeah. Optimistic Ash. He after the Southampton game when I was in the off license for quite some time. <laughs> when he pointed out, he said, "Well, you know, you were going to lose eight games before Christmas anyway, so you've still got two more to go, yeah. and you're you're on target. You're on fire." Which is, in a way, <laughs> he's actually quite right. And he said, "You'd have played the big teams, and you've got you know the likes of teams that you can." He said, "That's when you start panicking when you lose us because we lost to Swansea. Yeah, we lost to Huddersfield. Huddersfield. That's a different team, a different manager. So it is, of course, it's doable. It is. It's a question of keeping in touch. It's not. And also, I don't think we should suddenly start going. Well, we'll win six in a row because if if we win one, draw one, lose a couple, it's just getting the points on the board, getting that confidence, then getting new players in. Because it's, it's just." Stopping hemorrhaging goals, yes. isn't it? It's just if we can have a few, you know, clean sheets. Yeah. That would be nice, wouldn't it? would be a good start. Well, that was the first time. I mean, the, until the City game, the, the, the goal difference was still quite manageable for a team at the bottom of the table because we, we weren't getting hammered. Yeah. It was one goal, was two goal differences. Yeah. And then the City you, you were saying you want to see progress. Do you, uh, have you seen progress under Roy so far? I know it's been a very, very short time, but do you feel like we're heading in the right direction? The, the Southampton game, we discount because it... It's like you say, the reaction to that game was ludicrous. He'd been at the club two days and probably took one training session. I think I agree with you. I think the Huddersfield game, there were the, the organisation looked, looked better. It was quite clear that they decided in the second half they were going to sit back and see if Huddersfield could break them down. Whether as an academic exercise or whether that was just how the game panned out, but it was a goal and a clean sheet against a Premier League team, mm-hmm. and I do think. It wasn't as disastrous, you know. That wasn't the five nil scoreline, and, and if we'd lost two nil, we'd be sitting there going, "Do you know what? Yeah. That's a step in the right direction." Yeah. And like you say, for forty-four minutes, yeah. that was a really creditable performance. And then you can't expect Sacco to be properly match fit straight away. No, that's not going to happen. Fossey mentions not a natural right back. There's still, you know, there there are problems. But I think Hodgson is everybody in the game. It's like you talk about your West Brom friend. All the ex-players that you hear talk to say Hodgson's the man who will sort it out and the players will get really bored of it mm-hmm. but he will just spend the whole day doing repetition. Sometimes we're not without the ball it'll just they'll, the shape will be drilled into them and it'll be like Pulis. Every player will know exactly where they should be at a given time and then we will start winning games 1-0 and then the, the, the fans' attitude will change and then the players' attitude will change but it's just getting into that virtuous cycle where that takes some you don't go straight from the vicious no. circle into gonna, the virtuous, um, yeah. and we seem to be one of those teams when you get a new manager some people have that instant flip yeah, and yeah, we, we don't, don't do that yeah, do we we take about four or five games yeah. to get into a bit of a groove mm. but then it feels quite substantial I, th- yeah. I think yeah. also that that this is now almost <coughs> a a pre-season 2.0 for Palace this season and and that's purely because 
you've got um, you've got Roy Hodgson basically coming in with with not much time for the Southampton game. That you could see the building blocks coming into place for Huddersfield, and again for Man City in the first half. We played a game against Bromley, which. John Cross at the Mirror turned into some kind of laughable, you know, morale-boosting win. What a load of, of shit that yeah. was. Sorry, I had to swear, but I, yeah, it's these these kind of like the, the these kind of mid-season friendlies happen all the time mm. in in football, and and Palace need it. Like you, you're, you, it's basically Roy Hodgson trying to get some of the key players to to kind of conform to what he wants them to do and to get the rest of the squad to do that as well they're not like you can't if you've got a squad of 25 players only 11 to 15 16 of them are actually going to be playing football in that so you've got to give the others an opportunity to play in the way that he wants them to so that when they get when the opportunity then comes for them to, to be brought into the side they they're actually up to speed so like, I, th- I think i think it is a we're, you know, Kevin said about how he got stick for for calling these free hits, but they are because how many game, how many times are you actually expecting to beat Man U and to beat Chelsea and to beat Man City? We we've we haven't gone to there to had over the last five seasons and won there. We've so never what, got anything there, you know. And 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 the 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 first half performance was probably the most positive performance at the Etihad yeah. that we've had yeah. in the five seasons we've been there. So there are positives to take from And we've still not had the fewest number of shots in the league either. There are a lot of clubs <laughs> below us in the fewest. Yeah. And can somebody explain to me what this expected goals per game thing is? So expected goals <laughs> yeah. is they basically take all of... They, they, they take like 40,000, 50,000 different uh, opportunities and they, they average them out into... They, they work out how likely it is that you're going to score based on what people have done in those positions previously. So that's where the expected comes from. So why so, isn't ours naught then? So ours is because because we've had <laughs> what's essentially happened is that Palace have had opportunities that in the majority of cases would have led to one, two or three goals or whatever it is. Like, so when you see the expected goals being 2.5, for example, with the opportunities that Palace had but missed, those opportunities typically lead to a team scoring two and a half goals or three goals. Wow. So that's the thing. So that's where, and, and, and this, isn't, this isn't a case of, um, of saying, oh, well, you know, Palace should have, should have done better, blah, blah, blah. It's purely doing it from a statistical basis where they're saying this is what other teams or other, other opportunities like those that uh. Palace had resulted in. So they, and they take that from like shots from outside the area tend to have an expected goals ratio of 0.2. So you're, you're not likely to score it, take you five, five shots from that position to score one goal. And it's the same. And so what they, they, like when you have opportunities right in front of the goal line, like we did against Southampton, I think we had two or three opportunities yeah. like that. All of those opportunities have a higher, a higher rating of expected goals. Oh. So there you go. So, so are we saying that then we're just really rubbish at finishing exactly. or we're very unlucky? Essentially, it's a it's a bit it's a mix of luck and and uh, I mean to be fair when when um Punchin had the opportunity in front of goal against Southampton, their goalkeeper made a ridiculously mm. good save mm. which you then take that into account. So that's an that's an anomaly because goalkeepers don't typically make saves from point blank range at that in that position. You know, and, and I think we nearly scrambled it as well. Like it, it very nearly went into the goal. But it's it's that's the thing where Palace are. You can say Palace have been a little bit unlucky because 
those you're, you're taking, you know, as I say, it's about 40,000, 50,000 different opportunities from those positions in the Premier League. And they basically say this is the this is the likelihood of that actually that opportunity leading to a goal. So is and there, Palace had a, a large number of those that haven't resulted in goals that should have. This is not my well draw, but is there no one at Statistics Towers going? We haven't quite got this right because they haven't scored any goals. We need to perhaps rein in the but expected number of goals. Which you can say, but you can, you can say that that's sorry. You can mm. say that that's a, that Palace are a, a bit of an anomaly. Oh, okay. So when they yeah, one of the examples, one of the examples is Josh King at Bournemouth. So a lot yeah. of people are saying Josh King, wow, what a great player. But if you actually look at his his usual performance across a season and compare it to last season, his the the goals that he had were actually almost. Uh, that it they were he actually the, the majority of the shots he took were actually goals that normally you wouldn't score does that make sense so that that like a large number of it, of his goals came from positions where where teams wouldn't typically score so it's it's just one of those things like that it's not it's not to say that palace are you know that 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 there's all this kind of uh, it's all bad luck or that Palace are unlucky, blah, blah, blah. It is about players in those positions taking the opportunities that fall to them. And, and and at the moment, that isn't happening. But is it not positive that Palace are creating those chances? I drifted off that far. <laughs> I've zoned out. I know Louise was trying to say something a little bit there, but I've, all gone, I, to, I've I, gone to my It was about place. squirrels, so don't worry about yeah, it. I was, I was in 1536. No, I was Palace... at Anne Boleyn's wedding. I was... what, what, what you also see, the thing that's really interesting about expected goals is they typically show you a pit, like a pitch graphic and the, the dots, and the, the bigger the dot, the more likely the opportunity would have been to lead to a goal. And right. with Palace, there are a lot of big dots around the goal area when it comes to... Oh. When, but if from, from the previous creating game. chances and should be scoring more goals, then that's better than not creating chances, surely, isn't it? Well, is it? Is it? Because <laughs> are you saying that we still haven't got any goals yeah. and actually if we're creating chances and nobody's scoring them, well, this is, the that's, is that worse than never ever having the opportunity? Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we know what the issue is. We didn't buy any strikers in the transfer window. <laughs> that's what the issue is. Well, it's not a big issue, is it? It's a very s- simple issue. There's no big dots in front of goals. Seemingly goal. straightforward issue. Yeah, that we have, we can't you just, seem to You don't win games on expected goals; you win them on goals you score, and and that's the thing. And we've ended on a cliche. Um, I've got a question. That's here. not a cliche. I've never heard no. that. That's not a cliche. Sounded like a cliche. You don't no, I mean it might be from now on. It should be a cliche. Coined by Robert Sutherland. Yeah, that's a fair point. It should be a cliche. Yeah. Okay. The next question is from Shing Dragon. Hi, Shing. Who says, "Seeing as we love our highs and lows, are we due a massive high soon, and what will it be?" Who are these people who love the lows? Who aren't? Palace, come on. We yeah, do seem to revel in highs and lows, don't we? We, we? we take them on a journey. Don't love them. We'll love <laughs> we do them. without them. Yeah, if at, if at the end of the season, when we finish eighth, because of the, yeah. the expected goals that we ex- suddenly expect, unexpected <laughs> The big score, dots. The big dots <laughs> turn into goals. Yeah. Then, of course, we'll look back and go, wasn't that hilarious? But at the moment, I feel... Okay, it's Matt, fake, this I, is let fake me love. substitute the word love then to experience. Palace okay. do seem to experience highs and lows. Are we due one? But the lows are what make the highs so high, aren't they? So like when you end so up losing another cliche as well. It's not. No, that is a cliche. Oh, yeah, is it? Oh, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, can, we, can we have the, the statistical lows and highs balancing out? A bit yeah, more? yeah. <laughs> um, Louise doesn't want lows in her what life. What was the question? No. <laughs> so yeah, maybe. Who knows? Chelsea at home. <laughs> It will, mate. This will make it, as it's I said. Find a positive. As I tweeted on Saturday, we're not going to lose me. every single game of the rest of the season. Come on, no, there is a part of me that I just does don't want to lose to Brighton. I can no. sort of, well, if we get relegated, you can, I, I, but 
I can't cope with losing to Brighton. That's sort of the well, one we, thing. Well, we might need to instigate Operation Bring Brighton Down with us. <laughs> if, and if that means deliberately... How do we do that? If, well, if it means deliberately losing to other teams around us, then I'm prepared. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, yeah. I'm prepared I would actually... Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, to be perfectly honest. In a subtle way, so it doesn't look like that's exactly what we're yeah. doing. But I think the Brighton game, yeah. going back to what you were saying earlier about having this run of games after the yeah. next few, is timed quite well. It if we were playing like, them next week. Yeah, I'd, then you'd be right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. I, it should I, be I the game tweet. that Benteke comes back for as well. Oh, great. <laughs> I, I did tweet on Saturday that there is part of me that thinks this is going to make it all the more better when we do finish 12th or whatever. But I could do without it. I'd I, much rather we had 12 points now and we were talking about Europe. That would be much yeah. more fun. People yeah. say to me, oh, it must be great doing the pod, Gallows here. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> really isn't because we've, no, we've had very little choice. We get one a season when it's not like that. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather have 20 a season when it's would not, not Would it not be boring? if we were Yeah, just... would that be great? Uh, no, be great you wouldn't want to. I, I would minutes. hate to be one of those <laughs> mid-table mediocrity teams. Yeah, me too. Well, see, how do we know? We've never been it. No, I know we never have. <laughs> we might love but, it. Yeah. But, yeah. It might turn out as what we wanted all the time. I know we'll probably die 10 years before we should have done from all the stress <laughs> of this, but... I wouldn't mind a boring season, actually. I don't know. No, I quite... But, yeah, I wouldn't mind a boring season, but I wouldn't want to be one of those mid-table... Do you remember how Coventry used to always yeah, be mid-table? Yeah. Because, and then it all <laughs> yeah. obviously went really wrong. Yeah. But well, it's funny, because, like, friends... I'm sure your West Brom friend would be, be interested to hear what he said, because I know West Brom fans who just go, I can't watch Pulis's team anymore. Yeah. It's like, you see, the amount of... The away end last night, the Emirates, was not even half all, because people don't really watch... Well, and then that you hear him on the sidelines the whole way through yeah. as well. They've got to turn those microphones off around him uh, during matches. But even when he kept hear. us up, Louise, there are Palace fans going, oh, that was great, but I don't want to see that for a whole season. Well, but, I know. could have coped with a bit longer. But it's not going to be like that under Roy, is it? It's not going to be quite Pulis. It's going to be more back to basics. It's not going to be Pulis ball, is it? I, I don't think it's going to be exciting, but... You know. I but know. I think you can't See, say that because I think if you've got a player like Wilf in your team, he does make it no, that's exciting. True. Yeah, so yeah, I think point, yeah. you know uh, the challenge is it when we, when we lose him, like and then you end up with sort of good solid players that may keep you there. Yeah. At least they're you know. Ed made a good point about Balassi's fit. When's Balassi going to be fit for Everton, and how much is he going to be going? He's for? finally on the training ground again. Yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah. Because he still loves Palace a bit, well, doesn't he? When reckon, you look yeah. at his tweets, I reckon he does. Everton, I'd see, that's Ed's point. I reckon you offer Ed, Everton five million quid for him in January. <laughs> five million. Well, do you know, it's, whatever ten million, that would make perfect sense for a lot of reasons. I think right. that they'd want to re- recuperate whatever they spent on him. He's had a really bad injury since then, so they're never going to get as much as they. What did I say? Recuperate. Yeah, that's different. Isn't I it? mean, he, they want him to recuperate they want him to, yeah. so that he <laughs> plays again. Yeah. Okay, final few questions then for this pod. The first one's from Danny Boy. Hi, Danny. Hello. He says, forget about the negatives. What positives can we draw from the season so far? I'll tell you what, I, I, I want one positive from all of you. Kevin, start again. Well, well, Louise has already... Roy can speak several different languages. That's a good one. It's a big positive. Be great with Brexit, won't it? Yeah. Be really useful. <laughs> <laughs> Politics. Sorry. Squirrel lives. Yes. I'm really pleased. I'm. I am pleased that we've got Sacco back. Um, I'm not pleased that it was for the sake of maybe some other players that we could have done with, but he is such a great character. Like he's a proper character, and um, 
I wouldn't take his performance against Man City as being any kind of indicator of what he's going to be like for the rest of the season. He's the kind of player that will galvanise the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at like yeah. team, t- team spirit stuff. Yeah. Um, and he gets on really well with Wilfred and he gets on really well with Christian Benteke. And these are like, it's that kind of thing, that, that dynamic. It's important not, to have Not just like on that. the pitch as well, which is important. Yeah. That's what Definitely. Tom said last season when he was training with them. It's like yeah. on, the, on the training ground, he's mm-hmm. non-stop and he demands very high standards. Even when he was injured last yeah. season, he would be at the games yeah. waiting yeah, yeah. in the tunnels. To well, he did the handshake with yeah. Benteke, didn't he? He's, yeah. he's you know, th- that's, that's the kind of spirit you need. Yeah. And so, so having someone like that, and, and and someone who is that as good a player as he is, mm-hmm. it will help in the long run. And he wears good glasses. He, he does. does. He does actually. Yeah. He does. He's a very he's a very fashionable kind of guy. Yeah, it's it it really interesting after the Liverpool game against Leicester in the League Cup last week, where they lost uh, Phil Thompson, for example, going on about Sacco. They've Liverpool have let their best central defender go, mm-hmm. and Phil Thompson was one of many pundits at the start of the season going, "Get Sacco out as quickly as you can. He's not. He's nowhere near first team Liverpool." Now suddenly they've decided he's their best. <laughs> Central defender, they've made a terrible mistake letting him go. So like, I don't understand why they let him go. I just don't. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of a clash. Personal yeah. reasons with Klopp. It was it's like similar it's to yeah. maybe similar to why we didn't keep Frank de Boer. You know, mm. the, when 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 someone falls out so majorly, and they don't want to have that person around it's better to just kind of accept that it's time for him to go. But it also Even helped us It helped us get him because... It was great for us, but yeah, if I, I think, was a Liverpool fan... I think Klopp's yeah. attitude was shared. You know, coaches at that level talk to each other. So yeah. a lot of the top-level European clubs weren't going to take a player. The perception of Klopp was that he wasn't a good trainer. He wasn't, but... Which is totally the opposite to what everyone at Palace mm. says about him. So... Mm. But that might be because Allardyce apparently just said to him on the first day, "You, you know, we need you. You do what you want." And he, he went, "What, really? Okay, I'll train really hard then." But then Allardyce said last yeah, season as so well. At times, I didn't need to coach the team, like because Sacco sort of almost was, ran the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Which so, maybe is something that we need at the moment. Yeah, we just yeah. need a big character in there. Yeah, I, I do definitely think you know, the arguments about the finances of Sacco. I think he wanted to come back to us as well, yeah, massively, which really does lift his spirits a little bit when yeah. somebody of that quality yeah. enjoyed. Like, and the, the only trouble is, of course, he's on a four-year contract. When we'll obviously we'll lose him if we do go down, but hopefully we won't. Hopefully we won't. Yeah. Um, well, he's much. He might love the club, but he's not going to stay and play a season in the championship, <laughs> yeah. is he? Yeah. Really. If, I had a, if I had my choice, I wouldn't. But I can't. I'm stuck with him. <laughs> uh, if Palace go down, you're staying in the pod, though, aren't you? Not yeah, I would. Yeah, style. Yeah, I'll probably just keep going to games as well. Like that. All right. Um, right. Exper- experience tells me that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to end it there for the questions because uh, that was as positive, I think, as we can get. Um, so in part three, we're going to preview the trip to May night at the weekend. So join us in a bit. Welcome back to the Fabric Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 226, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk and there's a Vector with Okay. Hey. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Oh, very good. Um, right, Palace are playing May United at the weekend mm. at Old Trafford. Do you want some good news? Mm. Marion Fellaini and Paul Pogba are both out of the game. Mm. That well. good news? That feels like good news. Yeah. Pogba being out is definitely good news. Yeah. Fellaini always seems to cause us problems. Well, they... they I saw their game against Everton on TV and they were really flattered by a 4-0 first half they played really well for 20 minutes second half they 
Carlston, they're a different animal to City because normally Mourinho's happy once they're one nil up. Yeah. They don't tend to go for the throat. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily game over if they do go one nil up. And without Pogba, that is a big miss for them. But it's it's a shame Fossey Mensah can't play. But again, there's no point expecting three points. But as we said before, let's hope, let's go up there and put in a performance and see some progression, maybe score the goal and see what he does up front, see what, I presume Ward will come in at right back. Uh, right back. Yeah. Which again comes back to our argument right at the start. There's no point booing any player because the chances are that he's got to start again. Next well, and also it's got, a squad you know. game. So. And yeah. he doesn't, deserve to be treated like that no he doesn't if everything's done for the club he doesn't deserve it yeah same as Kelly last year Kelly was a scapegoat for a lot of things Mm. yeah it's not well he doesn't deserve it because it's not his fault that he's not a top class Premier League and you think and you think of everything he's you know Kelly's a more recent addition but I think everything that Joel's done for the club he doesn't deserve to be treated like that yeah exactly and he had one and also a a succession of managers think he's been good enough as well Mm -hmm. So he clearly is a better... I think his confidence is shot at... Well, along with everybody, his confidence is shot at the moment. That's why I thought it was right to take him out of the firing line. At, I thought it was a mistake to play him at Anfield. It would have been a massive mistake to play him at Man City. Mm-hmm. I think it was right to take him out of the firing line for his own yeah. his own confidence. But it, it, it was clear as well. Again, I mean, against Liverpool, he was he was being targeted. And I think I, I, I think if if you play tactics that kind of leave your full-backs exposed, that's when Joel Ward struggles. Um but I don't think that will happen with Hodgson as much. So, well, I I think, in the right kind of setup, Joel Ward is easily a capable enough player playing. You know, he's a mid-table, mid-table Premier League yeah. player. You can't call him shit because he's actually, like a lot of the team, has actually finished in mid-table positions more mm. than more th- with Palace more than not. So, and under Pulis, he looked like a really good. Yeah, and even under, under Allardyce, yeah, you know, think- when Allardyce came in, as long as you have. You know, it's a it's a matter of of being in the right system. And under De Boer, it was it was quite clear that he was exposed. It's it's arguably not fair to blame him for that, because players who have certain skills can are only suited to certain ways of playing. And I think that that applies with Joel Ward. So maybe just let's just lay off. I mean, the next right. two games, he just got to lay off against Chelsea. Yeah. Just got to. Get behind, absolutely. Get behind I, I the think, side. It, I mean, you, you got it. You got to say. I think that the booing was outrageous after, uh, with Hodgson, but it was just the culmination of three seasons of really shit home form. Sorry, swearing again. But the, if, if Palace hadn't started, um, hadn't started in the way that they did against Southampton, I think it was. Mm-hmm. You know, conceding as early as we did. Yeah. Well, also, um, I think as well, it wouldn't have been as it, the reaction wouldn't have been as as frustrating as frustrated as it was. As it was, Palace actually played reasonably well. He made he made two mistakes in the first game against Huddersfield and almost became the sort of the glaringly obvious error. He looked like the one who was least comfortable in the in the system to the extent that we had that. Who would he? Yeah, to the extent that we had that um, ten minute spell in the first half when the crowd were imploring people not to give him the ball. Mm. which was like 20 minutes into the first game of the season. He was standing on his own right in front of us and people and Hennessy was kind of looking to him and the crowd would go, no, don't give him the ball and Dan's demanding the ball instead. So he's been on the back foot for the start of the season. His other problem is that 10, 15 years ago, he probably would have been in England international, but the nature of the fullback has changed so mm. so completely. They've got to be so much more fit now. They've got to mm. attack as much, as much as defend. And the thing is, he's a really competent defender. He's a good, decent defender. But that's not enough in the modern game anymore. It's not enough in the Premier League. And it it's hard and he, he should be protected, but it's hard to take a player out to protect the fullback 
in this because if you're doing it on both sides, you're losing a lot of creativity, you're losing yeah. a lot of players, and the, you know fullbacks should be good enough to get up and down the line, join in the attack and protect themselves. They, he hasn't got the pace. That's the trouble. If the if it breaks down, he hasn't got the pace to get back. That's why he's reluctant to go forward. We saw that imbalance last season when Van Arnholt was was getting forward on one side and he wouldn't get forward on the other side, and that mm. imbalances everything. But he's not a bad player, and, and he shouldn't. It's not his fault that he has become the scapegoat. In the same way, it's not Kelly's fault yeah. that he became the scapegoat. But it's the nature of the beast. It's the same at every football club. Man United fans don't particularly like Fellaini. They certainly didn't. Same with last same with Punch in this season. He's getting yeah. like you look at if you compare if you look at um, you know I mentioned Kabai um, earlier, but Kabai's performance against Silva was atrocious. Yeah. Really, really poor. Um, and yet the, the stick that Punchin got when he came on was just, oh. it's ridiculous. It, got, it gets to a point where you just wonder whether you're, whether it's just that people, th- people associate a name with negativity rather than actual performances. Because, you know, I, I know that Punchin hasn't had a, had a great start to the season. I know that he hasn't had a great 18 months, whatever. Um, but if you've got a man, like, it's all about, I think you have to give, make some exception that, that s- managers have certain expectations from players. And if in the case of Ward, you're, he's being expected to do something that he's not actually very good at, which mm. is attacking along, uh, along that wing and being able to, to, to recover and return to his position, that, because, because we all know he's not capable of doing that, that responsibility falls on the manager. Yeah. You know, when Allardyce came in, he knew that that wasn't, going, that, that wasn't his strength. So by all means, it, it, it ends up with some imbalance. Well, it also it falls on the manager and a succession of managers who hasn't replaced him. Yeah, for, for either because another player is not available or because they think he's good enough. Yeah. And well, the in, in my, the Allardyce side, he absolutely was. He was. But my, my, you know, problem with, my problem with the fans is that yeah, have a go at him on Twitter by all means. Phone you know, phone Talksport and and six oh six, have moan it about him in the pub, but don't boo him. Yeah. Booing our players during a game is, isn't serving any yeah. cause at all. And I, of course they're frustrated. We're all frustrated. You want to kick the back of the arse. You want to do things, but. It, it's it's self defeating, yeah. Because yeah. in the end, the players will turn out. The players you put so much pressure on a player that they're going to make a mistake because they're too terrified to do anything with the ball other than you know knock a five yard pass to the play, people closest to them. And as soon as they do anything like that, they'll start getting booed. They say, "Well, you're getting forward." When it's like, I think if someone you know, came here and booed us during the pod, it would it would put us off, wouldn't it? Wouldn't put me off. I'm used to it, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like the um, captainship weighs really heavily on it. You know, Scott yeah. Dan was never the same yeah. after yeah. he was captain. Punchin's struggling with it, and I think Punchin's really never been the same since Kabai joined. Mm. It's sort of almost, you know, how long is it since he scored? Forever. Oh, a long time. Um, long Norwich, wasn't it? Last game. Norwich yeah. or cup final? But you know, I mean, you final, listen to Punchin talk, and he knows that he hasn't scored. You know, you know, like these things weigh on players. Players know that they haven't, you know, they know the feeling of what it feels like to score a goal and they know that they haven't had that for a long time. And I think Punchin probably does sense that. But some of the, it, it, there's just a difference in that, you know, when you, when you hear people saying that, that he doesn't work hard or like all these different things that, that you can't accuse players like Punchin of, it, that's the kind of thing that, that maybe just, just hold off, hold your tongue for a little bit by all means you pay your money you can say what you like but just just think about the impact of what your you know what your what your comments whether it's on social media or at the game or what those kind of things the kind of negative the the kind of impact that they have 
I mean, I suppose, to be fair to Thane, Wardy doesn't help himself sometimes with his decision-making and yeah. shooting into the stands for the last kick of the game against Southampton rather than oh, crossing. Yeah. But, but also, he hasn't, striker, got, he hasn't got the pace to get beyond... The you know, reason it stops down his side is because he hasn't got the pace to get beyond defenders. He hasn't got the pace to support people nine times out of ten. He can't overlap. There's no one to overlap. But So who would you make if... if who would you have as captain then? Oh, good question. Um, see, the thing is, I don't. I, I, th- I think on the pitch, I actually don't think a captain is actually as significant as it is off the pitch. Off the pitch, they do a lot of administrative duties, but on the pitch, if you have leaders in the squad, a captain is actually not as necessary. So when you have someone like Sacco coming in, he is he plays like a, a, a defensive captain. Yeah, you've totally. got you've yeah. got Luca, who should be leading by example in the centre as well you've got all these players it's not about one person being entirely responsible for geeing up the rest of the squad it's about every single player taking responsibility yeah um but I if, in the past if you're going with like the Jedi, symbolic you yeah. Yeah. just yeah. dragging but, but everybody with again him. that like that the, the side that got promoted we had peter ramage who was a who was a leader you had you had damien delaney Damo, who was a yeah. leader you had glenn murray who was a leader you had uh you know, Owen Garvin and players like that. All these players have Uncle Owen Garvin a leader. No, but no, but they all have but they all the have they, they all like have Clint a responsibility. Yeah, Clint, you know, Clint Hill people and, like and that before yeah. who would the, the great yeah. thing about Jednak is that because of his because of his presence, people noticed him and that would that makes him a great captain. And that's why people will say Sacco would be a great captain. But it's all about it's about it's not just individual individual players being you know the, the this this kind of traditional sense of captaincy is something that that I think is quite interesting about Gareth Southgate. He's trying to get rid of that in that it's that it's going to you know individual players get that opportunity as and when. But I think it's different with an England squad because you've got the, supposedly it, the cream, haven't changes, you? Yeah. So whereas I think with a club like Palace, where you would have not every player is going to be brilliant because you haven't got the finances for that. So you'd have some extraordinary, hopefully extraordinary players. But again, it's that whole thing with the team that got promoted. You did feel the team and the fans were as one. Mm, And nobody, you know, they had the odd moan. But it was such a unit. It was such a tight unit. And it isn't at the moment. Would you not say that some of that is from... I mean, we're, we're now a club that, you know, that we come back to this point about where we are as a club. And, and there is an element of expectation and disappointment because Palace fans are looking at what's happened, what, where the situation the club is in now with an attitude of we should have more than one striker. And that's a, that's a fair argument to make. But if you compare that to how we were when we got promoted... The, the 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 striker that we had was Glenn Murray, who hadn't been tested in the Premier League. You had uh, Marouane Shamak, who had struggled at Arsenal. You know, these are players that, that you know, the, the the unity come is a two way. It's a two way street. You know that there's that kind of we're we're at a point where it's almost like we're actually deluded into thinking that we should be better than we are because but we're not because we've now lost six games in a row well, but the other, and all the these other players side, with all due respect the other side to that argument is that you could say five five seasons ahead or four, we still haven't got any decent strikers of course yeah yeah, yeah. back then we'd have been so no. different yeah, it, that doesn't, the fact that we had no decent strikers in the first season doesn't balance no, out the fact that we've got none no, no. now in fact it and makes I'm, it even worse and I'm not excusing it shows, it, it shows I'm, I'm, no genuinely, I'm genuinely yeah. not excusing it but what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I think some of that kind of idea of unity has gone because because of our expectations because we really do believe and it, and it's a fair point to believe it 
it's a fair thing fair it's fair to say palace should be better prepared now than they were five seasons ago and the actual in actual fact we're not we're actually worse off than we were then that's the reality. But right I now. think but we, it, it, and we've got it, how can honest. it be otherwise? If yeah, you think yeah. of the number of different managers we've had, oh, yeah. because everybody comes in with a different game plan. Yeah. And so what we really need, and, and hopefully that's what Roy will give us, is that stability where you've just got someone for two seasons would be amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's just got, the same way of thinking, I mean, the, yeah. the bringing things to fruition. Your argument is that the more the squad is like a championship squad that stays up, the more unity there is, but there's no unity at the moment anyway. It's no, like, I, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that when we got promoted, no one expected us to actually get promoted. No, this is I, four, I, I, I know, but this is four seasons on. Of course, of course. We, but we can expect but, not to be... In, yeah, yeah, but, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that, that, that this kind of, this idea of, this idea of unity comes from going through you know a lot of, a lot of team building comes from going through points of adversity mm. as a unit and and building those bonds yeah. together so right now this is a great opportunity to build those bonds to actually mm. build up collective memories that you can say wow that player made a massive difference because right now that's the only hope we've got until mm. january but because have that this is this yeah. but this is all this is all we've got we've got no you know it's all well and good saying ah oh, the chairman didn't sign the players that we should have done and that's again it's a fair point to make but if you repeatedly make that point what you're actually just saying is you've given up because because right now there is actually no there's no alternative we are stuck with what the squad that we have with the team that we have with the manager that we have and we have to find a way of getting out of it which is where the fans, fans come totally have, exactly. into it you have to get in you you know yes go down the pub and have a moan and a bitch and whatever but you have to be totally game. behind the team but unity I'm, I'm i'm kind of arguing against myself here because i'm out this i'm on the fans yeah the fans need so you can't expect twenty four thousand fans to galvanise themselves when they're walking up the Homesdale Road expecting to lose again at Sellers no. Park. It's a two way street. It's not just it doesn't just come from the fans. And any professional footballer will tell you yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter how good the fans are, they don't actually suck the ball into the back of the net. They don't they might influence the occasional referee's decision, but they, you don't miss or, or score depending on whether you're you're kicking towards your end or, or not. But you have and to, they, you but can't but fa- you can't expect fans you have to give them something to cheer about. Like if if you we do, if we start against Chelsea, if we go to you know, if we're one nil up after five minutes against Chelsea, we'll, then the next eighty five minutes will be brilliant. But if we're one nil down again, as we are against Southampton, yep. as we were against Huddersfield, as we were against Swansea, then there's only so much you can do because the most passionate fan suddenly goes, "Oh, Jesus, not again!" But you're one nil down yeah. against Chelsea, so know, you just have to keep a grip. You know, you yeah, have I, I to give I, the team start, a chance. You don't start booing, but I think it's impossible to expect the fans to be no. that. And and, and that I've, passionate I, when they're not being the fans. The players don't always share that passion. I mean, because again. All you want is a one big tackle. It goes back to that Balassi point. One big tackle. That's, that's why I've, Jedi was so important. That's why a captain for me should always be in the midfield. Because Jedi, you know, if Zahar got kicked, the first thing Jedi would do is go to the player who kicked him. Mm. He'd go to the referee. He'd go to Zahar. And the fans all see that. So you see that's all going on. It's harder for a centre-back or a forward to do that. And that's, what, that's the sort of thing you want. That's why you get passionate. That's why you get passionate because Balassi will chase 50 yards back and win a ball he's got no right to win. And that gets you off your seat. Yeah. If you're 1-0 down at home to Southampton, you're just staying on your seat. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and, and if, the, and if the chances we got, and they were, they were more by luck than by judgment, there was no five-minute, ten-minute spell in the Southampton game when you think, right, we really get behind them because everything just fizzled out. They have to give us something before we can give something back to them. And, and, and I've made the point about three having three or four seasons of really poor home form, and and, and I, as I as I say, that is there's a lot of mitigation 
in Palace fans getting easily frustrated. It's it's a fair mm. point. I think we've won six games in in almost in three seasons basically mm. at home. So it is really difficult. But as I say, it's just we're we've got as fans we've got a choice, and we've we you know we, you can either you can either either get really frustrated and complain about every single player about every single mistake they make, or you can just accept. You, you just have to accept that we're the position we're in can't be changed until January. So the only the only other option is to try and be a, is to uh, try and approach it with not so much a positive point of view, but an accepting point of view that sometimes some players will make mistakes. Tolerance, exactly. Tolerance, yeah. Okay, I like that. That's a positive <laughs> yeah, yeah. way to end. That was a good. Well, I'll good we'll all, we'll all, we'll all promise to get behind Ricky Lambert then. I just hope I just hope that Palace play with as much. To be honest, though, if he does sign, then yeah, of course. I just hope that Palace play with play with as much passion in the next couple of games as we've just had as we've just talked. But that's all the fans will. The the most fans will say, "Yeah, fine, you give us that passion, we'll give you our passion." Absolutely, yeah. But we're not going to keep him turn up week in week out and give you that passion, and we're not getting it. I think we saw some of that in the first half on Saturday as well. I think it is there. Yeah. Just hopefully we'll see it on Saturday as well at Man United. Um, Louise, have we had an update on the squirrel? He's <laughs> got a broken leg, so he'll be out for six games, but we'll be back for January. <laughs> It'll never be the same squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, Louise, thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been lovely having you on. Uh, Kevin, thanks for being in your own house. Pleasure. Thanks Rob. for the tea. Thanks for the tea. Yeah. Thanks well, I also feel a bit bad because JD actually made the tea. So. It was all right, wasn't it? It, was... it shows how often he's round here. That he's... <laughs> <laughs> um, right, listen, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your questions. Please keep sending them in. And uh, we'll be back with you after the May United game at the weekend. Uh, keep the faith. We might get a goal. We might get a point. We might get three. Yay. Who knows? We'll see you soon. Bye. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business. Sports Social Podcast Network.